the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your life is in the hands of a God who never sleeps fear not little lamb for the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your in the hands of a God who never sleeps. Hey, welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. And I'm Sam. And today we are talking about how to connect with your kids in the day-to-day when uh, things are a little bit difficult when you're having troubles, when you have multiple kids and it seems really overwhelming. Um, Yeah, just talking about how to incorporate being mindful of connection with them throughout the day. Okay, well, I guess we could start off with talking about um, kind of taking advantage of your daily routine, whatever that may be, and like what are the best times to kind of set aside time for connection, how you can do it when things are kind of on the move already. So um, I've heard from a lot of parents that have, has mean in the gentle parenting community or any community, you're gonna find people who have kids in public school, people who have kids in private school, people who are homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So the routines might be different, but there's certain times of the day, like when you're getting into stuff, um, like when you wake up, when you wake up is a really good time rather than throwing everybody into the day to kind of look for little opportunities here and there to connect with your kids um, and so that they can kind of feel a little bit more relaxed and secure getting into their routine. And I mean, this might look different for everybody, but um, I guess it does look different for everybody because I just <laughs> my examples (laughs) well I was thinking that I don't want to interrupt your your train of thought here or where maybe it's left the station I don't know (laughs) I was thinking that one of the things about connection that's really important that I've found is not only with my kid I only have one you know I only have Calvin so I don't have a whole lot of experience with my own but in the school one of the things that I found really important to keeping kids, you know, satisfied and kind of uh, helping them stay regulated was to give them uh, my full attention in moments that were not crazy moments. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like not when they were already fighting with another kid or hitting another kid because they took their toy or, but just taking the time to make sure I have, you know, in transitions, uh, Janet Lansbury uh, says this a lot, that diaper changes, getting ready for meals, things like little transitions during the day. Those are the moments that are really, really super important. And that you, if you're waiting until the moment when, um, things get a little crazy to connect like till the meltdown to give your full attention that that kind of encourages uh the wrong incentive I guess for connection does that make sense yeah like by the time something is already by the time they're already falling apart is it's kind of like they do need your attention but they probably needed it before then right so yeah that's that's been kind of a with our four-year-old poet in particular she is really, really social and she can be really independent as well, but she needs a lot of 
um, a lot of affirmation, a lot of just, I mean, just connection in general. And with her in particular, I've noticed that if I'm not making an effort to connect with her before she's frustrated or just, and sometimes she seems fine all day, but then it just starts coming out. And I realize like I haven't approached her or just maybe not paid attention with my full um, concentration. Yeah. And I mean, some of the ways you can do that too, or just, typical stuff like you'd be listening or paying attention to anybody but making eye contact um setting down your phone or whatever you're doing turning to see like turning your body it really is a lot about body language so that they understand that you've that they have your attention yeah yeah um what was i just about to say um Oh, yeah, this is this is something that has really stuck with me and i've really tried to remember uh, as Calvin has gotten older, that connection doesn't always look like I'm sitting there with him for like three hours playing toys. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think I gave this example in another episode, but I, it's, you know, since we're on this topic specifically, it's a good one to, to give. If my husband, if Cornet asks me a question, um, you know, or, and if he, is just going through the day and he says, Hey, can you blah, 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 blah. Or, Hey, what do you know about this, 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 or this? Um, and I answer his question, but I don't look up for my phone. You know, that's not connection with him. It kind of, it's like half answered, uh, you know, he doesn't feel really heard or paid attention to. And it really just takes a little bit of eye contact and like setting down what you're doing and actually listening. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that right there, not just, oh, yeah, uh-huh, cool, 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 but, like, actually being interested in what someone else is saying. That's oftentimes enough connection for for a moment, and then they'll go back to doing what they're doing, and it's filled up their tank a little bit in that moment. Right. Yeah, and there were um, there's some great examples if you're kind of, like, looking up really simple ways to connect with your kids and stuff. There's some great tips, especially with body language, um, where if they're – if they're telling you something um, to kind of mirror their emotions. Um, if they're sad about something, you kind of like, not that you're acting like you're pretending, but you're in it with them. And like, I mean, they're sad and you also, how, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say it without sounding really weird. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know, I know where you're going with this though. I know what you mean because but, I do this almost instinctually with Calvin. Like, it is very instinctual. Yeah. It's like you make a sad face. Yeah, like, oh man, you're upset. Like, darn, you know, I'm, I right. don't like that fake necessarily, but just like, yeah, you're in it with them. Yeah, you're in it with them. If they're excited, you kind of give off the excited vibe with them. Um, you're asking for more of, like, if they're like, I'm really sad about this, then you can validate that and then be like, what made you really sad about that? Um, like inviting them to actually explain so that they can go through everything that happened and process it, um, whether they're excited or upset, but um, not trying to fix what they're telling you all the time. And I mean, that can be hard even just in general relationships is that when you're showing empathy, you need to kind of make sure that the person is not like what they're asking for. Do you need someone to listen to you? Do you need someone to give you advice? Um, I mean, like, what do you need in this conversation? And you can kind of feel that out with kids a little bit more, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, Or you can ask. I mean, I know that with my seven-year-old, I can ask him 
um, do you want me to help you fix this or do you just need to talk about it? Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes he'll just say, I don't know. And that's, that's acceptable too. I mean, that's, that's a fine answer. Yeah. I don't know a lot of the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really hard for people is how to, when there is a moment of like uh, extreme emotion, let's say like a tantrum is about to happen, you can kind of sense it coming on or when um, just things are, things are a bit tense uh, and you have multiple kids, um, especially with like real littles, like babies, um, toddlers that take up a lot of attention. How do you manage that? Say, that Isla comes to you and she's really upset about something and you're in the middle of dealing with the baby and things are crazy and you're a bit harried, you know, how do you, do you say, Hey, I'll give you my attention in just a minute or do you stop what you're doing? You know, how does that work? How does, what does that look like practically for you? Honestly, I think that's super case by case because, um, I mean, if I'm nursing the baby, then I need to finish nursing her, but I can still offer space for Isla. Like, do you want to sit on basically my other leg? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you sit with mommy? And then when I'm done nursing the baby, I can pick you up because Isla always wants a hold. That's what she has always asked for. She, I need a hold and she wants oh. us to stand up and to hold her. She does not like when you try to hold her sitting down. She's like, no, this is not, this is not a hold. Oh, that <laughs> um, is so funny. This is not a hold. She's been so particular right since she was super tiny. It's hilarious. But, um, but, um, but if it is something like if I'm trying to show poet, like poet likes to do a lot of crafts. And so I'm often kind of overseeing a little bit and, um, and, but in that case, because poet is a little bit older or say Weston's a little bit older that they can kind of continue on with what they're doing most of the time for a moment and understand better then I can say, Hey, um, your sister really needs me right now. So I'm going to hold her for a few minutes and check on her. Mm -hmm. um, I'm right here if you need me, but if you could just give me a moment then, and they're pretty understanding about that. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes it is tough and sometimes you really can't make everybody comforted or happy. Um, yeah. It's one of the situations that comes up a lot is that um, I actually, usually like in the mornings, the kids come, come wake me up. And I know a mm -hmm. lot of people don't like that idea um, because it doesn't seem very like stable as a routine, I guess, but it's just, I need sleep. So <laughs> yeah. that like is our routine. Um, and generally it's the, the girls first and then Weston. Um, but poet wants to lay in bed next to me on my left side in particular Aww. and get under one of the blankets and snuggle with me. And that's really how she basically needs to start her day um, to feel kind of secure. And sometimes she'll fall back asleep, which I think she needs to because her sister wakes her up way too early. But, um, mm -hmm. but I really have to be mindful of making that space for her and giving her that opportunity. So if I, if all of the kids are piled on top of me, um, it might seem super unfair for me to be like, okay, but poet's right here and she wants to lay right here in this spot for a few minutes. Um, can you give her, can you give her the space to do that? Can you let mommy lay here? Can you guys go get your water and do mm -hmm. the things you can do so poet can lay with me? And, um, and I mean, I think it's, it's helpful for them to realize that they have different needs. So yeah. while Weston might want me to play a board game with him, um, poet might want to lay with me in my bed. That's just mm -hmm. her thing. Isla wants me to give her a hold. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. 
So I think just being mindful of what each individual kid needs and it does not have to be like, what is it in the book? Um, I think it's peaceful parents, happy siblings was the title of it. There's like an entire chapter on how you don't need to treat everyone equally. And by that, she means not every single kid needs to have the same equal thing all the time. Right. Yeah. They have individual needs. And also sometimes people around us get things that we don't get and being able to be content in that and happy for them is, yeah. I mean, not only is it practical, but it's biblical. Yeah. Um, and not to be dismissive. I mean, you can totally validate like, Oh yeah, your sister got to go to the store with me. Um, I'm sorry that you feel sad about that, that you feel like you got left behind. Um, and like, is there something you would like to do with me? But it doesn't have to be, well, your sister went to the store with me today, so you can go to the store with me tomorrow and your brother can go to the store with me the next day. Or right, I got right. your sister. I mean, this birthdays is a big example of that. Um, and kind of like, like validating that it does feel kind of sucky sometimes, but yeah. I'm here for you too. And I acknowledge your needs and I love you and I'm not trying to make everything fair all the time to where it's exhausting for you guys. It's exhausting for me, you know? Yeah. I think you're already kind of seeing their, um, (laughs) their love languages too. You have Mm -hmm. this like, you know, Weston who wants this certain thing and each of them want their own kind of like way they have their own way of giving and receiving love with you and I think that's really right that's so cool to see all you know these little people you know that it is so easy to just think of them as kids but they Mm -hmm. are their own little people that have their own ways of giving and receiving love and uh yeah they they aren't going to need the same things and that was something I noticed in the school um both in my toddler class and in my after school class, which was older kids and younger kids, like probably I think the range was like four to 11 years old. So, and there were a bunch of kids in there and you could see that some of them just really wanted to sit with me and do crafts forever. They could just sit on my lap or sit in a chair next to me and just do, you know, those little like, um, like the yarn that's covered in wax Mm-hmm. what are those called I don't know but they're really um, cool yeah it's, it's like twi- not twigs that's not it yeah I know what you're talking about some twisty things they could there were a few kids in particular that would just sit there and play with those with me and have me make them things forever if I if I let it happen and then other kids who would just go off and play chess by themselves like seriously mm-hmm. just go off and like beat themselves at chess you know <laughs> or or at checkers or either one actually the older kids some of the older kids were like really into learning chess but you know each kid is going to be different it's just you know the way that it is yeah definitely uh I do have a question though that just came to mind do you notice do you notice differences in the way your days go if your kids don't feel connected with like is there a way that that you can pinpoint you know what I'm saying like yeah I can tell that they feel disconnected and that they need that they're desiring more connection. Oh, absolutely. And each of them kind of like with their love languages has a I'm disconnected language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, with Weston in particular, he um starts getting not picking on his sisters like you would on a playground, but just kind of picking at them, like being oh. a little bit 
problematic or kind of interjecting himself into whatever they're doing and not really going along with what they're trying to accomplish. Um, he just gets kind of, um, what's the word? Almost a little antagonistic. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can see it. Like, I mean, he almost gets this look on his face. Mm. <laughs> you know he's going to start trying to, to bug them. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> gets very whiny. She gets, she's so talkative and she's always had a great vocabulary and she's mm -hmm. very good at being expressive or expressing her emotions verbally and stuff, but she'll kind of revert back to like toddler almost with her. Mm. It's like she forgot that she can, that she can use her words to yeah. tell me what's wrong. She gets super whiny and she'll also start like, <laughs> like when she's irritated, she'll start like growling at her siblings and stuff. Instead of telling them, I don't like what you're doing. She'll just be like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> it's really kind of funny. But, um, and then I like it super clingy. She gets really clingy and rough. Um, she's always rough, but she gets like aggressive when, mm. with particular um so if she hasn't felt that connection she'll kind of like she'll try to stand on my feet she'll pull on my clothes when I do pick her up she'll try to take my glasses off and stuff like that and she's not like making a mean face or anything or trying to be ugly towards me she's just I think she's just reaching for something yeah trying to get my attention even though she already has it she doesn't feel secure in that right and you know it's funny I feel like that is sort of where Calvin goes when he's wanting my connection or connection for me. He's okay. So today, like I told you already was a super long day. I left for church and because Calvin's nap needed to be a little early, Cornelia stayed home actually so they could do nap here. I went to church and we did practice for worship night after. And uh, finally, when he saw me, he was just super sweet. I just, you know, my heart melted, of course, but he like, oftentimes gets really aggressive with me like wanting to headbutt me <laughs> like, re like really trying and I think I think that might be a habit that I started when he was like an infant I would put my head my forehead against his oh. um when I was nursing mm -hmm. and so now when he wants my attention or when he wants like to be really connected with me he will like grab my head and like oh, bam <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> Try and headbutt me. And so, you know, he has things like that or like tugging on me, that kind of thing, being very like, I need a nurse now. That's his. Right. Uh, it's been so different. Um, and I kind of just thought about this recently. It was like, Weston nursed until he was almost four. So until he was almost four, we had that kind of like, built-in connection that was just yeah. he nursed when he was bad when he was hungry when he was bored when he wanted snuggles um but poet self-weaned at one and so like getting to know how to connect with her wow. was so different and she wasn't very snuggly until um probably this past year or so is when she started being kind of snuggly um and isla was a little less than two when she weaned and so just every single kid it's just like their way of attaching to you is so yeah. different when all of these kind of built-in um, relational aspects are, are different with each kid. Actually, on that note, I'm curious because I'm kind of looking at this myself, you know, um, with thinking about our next kid and we're getting ready to move back to the States now, probably in October. And so, you know, we're we're starting to think more about 
when we're going to have another. And I look at Calvin and he is such, he is really a mom's boy and he loves nursing and he loves time with me and he is very affectionate and I'm a little nervous for the next one, to be honest, because I, I don't want to tandem nurse. I just know that already I get a little claustrophobic just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's going to come a time where I'm probably going to have to initiate the weaning process because Calvin's not going to initiate it. Weston and, never would have. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and that's, you know, I'm kind of dreading, like, how do you, how do you handle that transition? I'm all, I'm already feeling sad for him. You know what I mean? Oh my goodness. Yeah. But I guess like with Weston, he was so much older already. And like, I did tandem nurse Weston and poet. And I'm just going to be honest, my like remembering that time, all of my feelings connected to tandem nursing where I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm really overwhelmed. Um, especially because Weston was so big too, and took up so much space. And um, they weren't really jealous of each other. They didn't fight or anything. It was just a lot. It was a lot emotionally, yeah. I think, too. And my transition from one to two was the hardest. Um, just everything during that time was stressful. But um, but he was old enough that when poets stopped nursing and I was basically like, okay, well, the boobs are going away. Um, he was okay with it. He really was. Um, I mean, he was almost four. So he, he I guess he just kind of understood. Um, and I was like, I can hold you, I can lay with you. And so he didn't seem to have a problem with it at all. Um, and Isla, it was more of my suggestion when she weaned. Um, it was, I had around the time I had surgery and she seemed pretty okay with it too. Um, and I basically get pregnant every time I wean somebody. So uh, the the boobs came back and none of the kids seemed to be upset about that. Like Weston and Poet weren't upset when Isla needed to nurse when she was born. Um, Isla thought it was funny when Wilder was born. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it just like, I don't know, none of my kids have really had a hard time with it or been jealous and they've all really loved the babies. Um, and there's been some aspects of jealousy or feeling kind of left out, but yeah. Um, but the nursing relationship hasn't really been a factor in that, I'd say. Well, it sounds like you've done a really good job at trying to make be intentional about um, connection anyway. So that that is, you know, not unlikely a factor in why they handled it so, you know, well. I appreciate that. I feel like I've been winging it the whole seven years. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you know, you're winging it looks pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so what else from the book can we go over? What other points are important? So something that I think would be really, really helpful um, for people with more than one kid. Um, I mean, it would be helpful if you just have one too, but in Peaceful Parents, Happy Kids and in other places, um, this is kind of a pretty well-known thing in gentle parenting is setting aside like 10 or 15 minutes to spend with one child um, mm -hmm. and calling it something like um, like special time or you could use your kid's name like Weston time, poet time, what have you. And um, just really like giving your all in that 15 minutes, like turning your phone off, being present with them and 
uh, I know in Peaceful Parents, Happy Kids, she suggests like letting the child lead it and then maybe the alternating, like alternating between child-led and you giving ideas and not structuring okay. the time, but just like like letting the child lead and then maybe the next time you can be like, hey, can we, I mean, can we wrestle or can we play this game or something? Um, yeah. And in the comment notes, we can put a link for some suggestions for um, connective play, which I found on the AHA Parenting website, which is amazing. Um, the thought actually, you know, for people with older kids or just really in any relationship, this kind of thing is really helpful. Like, it's not always going to be 15 minutes a day. It's not always going to be, you know, half an hour or whatever. Sometimes with your teenager, it might look like getting lunch once a week or, you know, having time after dinner just to talk a few times a week or even every night or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, just a lot of people do date night with their husband. You know, it's just, what's funny is that a lot of the ways that we um, talk, a lot of the practical things um, that we talk about with young kids, it's so applicable with teenagers and with all relationships. And I think that's really what drives gentle parenting is just like taking the concepts that we use in our own relationships with adults, like getting coffee regularly, talking to each other one-on-one, -on -one, making sure we don't have our phones out at dinner, you know, making sure we listen when someone's talking or looking at them in the eye, like those types of things, like you just transfer them to your kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely. It's going to look different sometimes, you know, you're not going to have like 15 minutes with your best friend every day, you know, like right. just, just to catch up every single day. I mean, you might like if you have Facebook Messenger, you have a few minutes, but that's not like the typical thing. It's going to look more like, hey, we haven't had lunch in a few weeks. Why don't we go get something? But for kids, your kids that you're around all the time, it is going to be like a few minutes here, a few minutes there, or, you know, some really connected directly, like very focused, connected time at bedtime, that kind of stuff. Yeah, bedtime is also a really good time to kind of set aside a few minutes. Um, I know it's easy to kind of work through the routine. And by the end of the day, you're ready to be in bed, you're ready for your kids to be in bed, but kind of sitting and just relaxing together. Um, and just kind of having some conversation or reading or anything that's kind of calm and relational at bedtime can be really helpful because bedtime is a time of transition. And for small people, it's also a time for it's like separation, essentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they need to feel securely attached to you so that they can feel comfortable going to bed because yeah. they're without you. And I think that it's not something we really think about, especially when kids are a little bit um, like when they're not baby babies. Mm -hmm. so, um, so just kind of being present for them and them knowing that you're there and feeling secure in that. Yeah. Well, with bedtime, that's one of the things that like I, we, we usually have a pretty good time during the day, but just like anybody, like at the end of the day, you're kind of tired. You want to go relax and it's really easy to kind of brush through the routine and just kind yes. of like not make eye contact. It's not even intentional. It's just kind of like you're going through, you're looking down, you're not, you know, you're not trying to like slow down for a minute. Right. I, I have to think of it in a way 
in the kind of way that's like, this is the last push right before bedtime. We're going to be separated for the, you know, the rest of the night unless something happens or unless he, you know, gets upset or something for some reason. Um, and he, to, to feel relaxed and be able to go to sleep is really going to, it's really going to be a big help if I actually look him in the eye right now and he feels like I see him, especially on days that we're like, really <clears throat> really busy and like where we've been running or like today you know i left for church cornet and him he stayed home and i had worship practice and then we ran to my in-laws and he was running around distracted at my in-laws and we came back and you know dinner and then bedtime and it was really easy to just like you know fly through it because we were all so tired but he hadn't seen me all day like, or at least it felt like that, mm -hmm. and, you know, taking the time to like nurse just an extra minute and look at him and, you know, hum to him. It's like, that really can make a huge difference. It really can. Um, okay. So another thing I would like to touch on, which I found really helpful, and it also kind of validated some things that I had already suspected or kind of experienced, but, um, but being silly with your kids and laughing with them, um, allowing them to laugh and just be excited and exuberant and ridiculous, it can help them get out all of that anxiety and stress that they feel from everyday life um, in kind of a similar way to having a meltdown would. Like you can actually get all that energy out. So taking the time, even just like five minutes here and there, to be really silly with them and to play with them and um, and just let like help them to let it go, let all that stress out is is something that's really important. And it doesn't have to be sitting and playing for three or four hours. It can just be uh, like wrestling here and there, or being playful while you guys are getting ready for bed or getting ready for your day, um, making up stories together, just just really anything that lets them get all that energy out. You know, it's funny that you say that because I was just thinking that sometimes the ways that I feel most connected to friends of mine and also with my husband is when we are finding something funny together. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're watching a movie together and you find it hilarious or when someone, like, you find a situation where you both, you know, find it equally as hilarious you know, and that connected feeling right then, like, whereas if you have, if you find something really hilarious and you turn to a friend and you're like, oh my gosh, listen to this, like, ha ha ha. And they look at you like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's such an instant disconnect there. And you're, and you immediately think like, oh, so-and-so would find this so hysterical. They would get it. And you try and explain like, it is funny. I promise. <laughs> like, right. It's almost being like super vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that like those moments of silliness and being able to like let go and just laugh at something together can really be just as connecting as like feeling comfortable crying in front of someone. Oh, absolutely. So everybody knows that we love board games and we found this game called Silly Street and I got it on a whim because it was on sale, but it's, it's really cute. Actually, the, uh, the board is a puzzle that you put together and they're big pieces. So a little kid can do it too. And the way that you move spaces is when it's your turn, you pick up a card and it essentially tells you to 
do something silly. And it has been so fun to do with the kids and just giving little like um, little prompts, like balance something on your nose like a seal or sing me ABCs in a high pitched voice like a mouse would or yeah. find something funny on the board or find something sad on the board. Um, it's just it's so funny and we can all play together and yeah. it's semi-cooperative because you win but then you're trying to help everybody else win too but even if it's my turn they still end up doing the silly thing with me and it's just been, <laughs> and I, Isla can do it too which is great um, that is great so I love yeah. that there was oh, a game great. there was huh. a game um I can't remember the name of it now but you might know it was one like you have four different quadrants of the board and they're different they're represent it's each each quadrant is represented by different colors, like purple, green, blue, and red, I think, or yellow is one of them. And each one is like a different kind of artistic thing that you have to do. One is like, you have to hum a tune. Green is musical. Blue is like, like art art. So you have to like, you have like Play-Doh or you have to do picture some kind of Pictionary thing. Then yellow is words and you have to do like a word puzzle or something really quickly or spell something backwards or do you know what game I'm talking about? Um, I, I know what you're talking about and I cannot. Darn it. What well, it? We used to have so much fun playing that with my whole family and it was just such a good time being able to laugh at each other because you look so ridiculous, but the like, cranium? yes, yes. Oh, okay. Cranium. Yeah. I loved that game. We had such a blast playing that game. And things that like is that. a fun one. Yeah, and that was such a fun connecting game for the whole family. You know, like yeah. everybody to just act as equally silly and <laughs> let down their guard. Totes. Totes. <laughs> yeah, well, I think this is a good place to wrap up so we can go ahead and, and do that. This is obviously not the end of the full conversation. There are always so many more things that we could do to connect with each other. Um, and to connect with our kids. So if you would like to continue the conversation, please give us your ideas in the Attending uh, Williams group. We would really love to see you there. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tendinglambs, and find the show notes page and lots of other gentle parenting resources at our website tendinglamps.com. Until next time.